0: You're listening to the Gov Future podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we talk to Joshua Zeich, U.S. Coast Guard liaison, Autonomy Portfolio Program Manager at Defense Innovation Unit, DIU. As a key linkage between DIU and U.S. Coast Guard, Josh shares examples of collaboration between Coast Guard and industry, the role DIU plays in growing the partnerships between industry and defense, the ways in which industry can develop relationships with the government for defense tech and national security innovation, and methods for bridging partnerships between industry and defense. Stay tuned.
1: Hello and welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh.
2: And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And you know one of the great things about our Gut Future community is that it's pretty worldwide for many of you that aren't aware uh what we've been doing at Gut Future, besides this amazing podcast where we've been interviewing folks from oh, all across the public sector, federal, state and local, international even. And, uh, of course, folks across defense and civilian and lots of other great uh, aspects of what we do we also run these in-person events too for folks who have the ability to join us in person we run these gov future Forum events that uh well primarily have been in the DC region at first you know uh with our fabulous hosts at George Mason University but we recently had the opportunity to be uh on the other coast the left coast as it will uh as you were uh at Stanford University doing some fantastic stuff there and uh, you should expect more of that in general as sort of gov future we tried to leverage both our online and our our in-person uh, community. So really what we do here at Gov Future for those of you that are listening to us for the first time, our job here is to hear and interact with in, with public sector thought leaders on how they're adopting transformative technology and get some key conversations that help you, our listeners, and our Gov Future members learn sort of the latest innovations and the best practices to stay ahead of innovation in the public sector.
1: Exactly. And if this is your first time listening to our podcast, I encourage you to subscribe so you can get notified of all of our upcoming episodes and wonderful interviews that we have lined up. And also, if you're not familiar with GovFuture, I encourage you to go to govfuture.com and we'll link to that in the show notes. But as Ron mentioned, we try and bring together thought leaders from all areas of the public sector so that they can showcase and highlight all of the great things that they're working on. For today's podcast, we're excited to have with us Commander Joshua Zyke, who is U.S. Coast Guard Liaison, Autonomy Portfolio Program Manager at Defense Innovation Unit, and is Active Duty Coast Guard. Welcome and thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Uh, it's a pleasure to join you and uh, excited to talk to you about what GoFuture does and how both the Defense Innovation Unit and uh, the Coast Guard can uh, support that mission.
1: We're excited for the conversation too. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at DIU.
3: Excellent. Um, So, you know, as I already mentioned, uh, I'm Commander Joshua Zyke, active duty Coast Guard, uh, but really uh, right now I'm the United States Coast Guard's liaison to the Defense Innovation Unit. And so I try to you know, ensure that the Coast Guard's interests are represented at DIU, but then also advocate for additional collaboration between uh, Coast Guard and kind of the DHS, uh, the entirety of the Department of Homeland Security at DIU. Uh, really trying to leverage uh, what the other services are doing uh, to you know improve our mission effectiveness uh, within the Coast Guard and DHS. Uh, my background, i have actually uh, a permanent cutterman within the Coast Guard. I've been uh, assigned to four different uh, you know cutters. I uh, had the privilege to be the captain of the Coast Guard cutter Nia Bay and icebreaking tugboat in Cleveland, and then the uh, seagoing buoy tender, the Coast Guard cutter Elm uh, up in Astoria, Oregon. So uh, I primarily have a, a maritime background and maritime operations, but Uh, Coming to DIU, it's been very uh, beneficial for me to have that operational focus in my background so I can bring what the operators or the warfighters need uh, to DIU as these uh, solutions and problem sets are curated and then we go to market with uh, what the commercial solution is that may be able to solve these uh, capability gaps or mission needs uh, that are not currently being met. Through the traditional defense acquisition uh, pathways
2: yeah that's that's really important
3: go ahead yeah please do no so in my role um again i'm at diu i'm able to leverage the that operational background because i'm a program manager as you stated on the maritime autonomy team so uh, understanding again what the operators and what the the servicemen and women out in the field need to better accomplish their mission. And that's, uh, you know, why I was brought to DIU.
2: Yeah. And maybe for our listeners that may not be too familiar with the defense innovation unit, even though we had you at our good future forum, but maybe you want to share, uh, with our listeners a little more about what is the mission of DIU and maybe some of the scope of the sorts of things that they are doing. And then they'll bring us into the next question about how the Coast Guard
3: and DIU are working together. No, excellent. Uh, so, DIU's mission is to accelerate the uh, DoD's adoption of commercial dual use technology. And by accelerating that adoption, we try to transform the the military's capabilities and uh, capacity while also strengthening the national security innovation base. So kind of in a nutshell, we try to solve the military's problems by leveraging uh, what commercial industry has already done. And by doing that, we also focus on non-traditional defense uh, contractors. So we really focus on the smaller startups and the companies that are not traditional uh, defense contractors so we can broaden that national security innovation base because that is an important focus of DIU is you know breaking down the barriers to working with the government and being a good partner uh, both to our mission partner within the, the military as well as being a good partner in the acquisition process with our commercial partner and vendor um, to kind of guide them through the process because the defense acquisition process is not an easy um, thing to go through, um, especially when you're a smaller company uh, that may not have the experience or the expertise to navigate that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I I really like this idea of uh you know working with the innovation economy because there's so many small companies and startups and tech companies and you know they they probably have not thought about or maybe they don't like to think about working with government agencies of any types because they feel like it's too difficult, right? Uh, in some ways, they're right. In some ways, they're not, Not you know, maybe they're thinking about things that they may have heard and not have experienced themselves. But, but you're right. There are all these really interesting ways that because everybody has to be more agile. Everybody has to be responding to the world that's changing at an ever faster rate. And on the one hand, Government needs to be procuring things in a more agile way and adopting new emerging technologies that everybody else is doing, our adversaries and our partners as well. And at the same time, industry needs to be thinking about uh, the needs of national security and defense as a customer base, and helping them evolve their own products. So I really like this idea of commercial dual use. It's a really nice way of of thinking about this idea. On the one hand, like you don't have to have one foot all in the government space and one foot, or you know, another foot, you know, firmly in the commercial space. You can, well, maybe that is the idea. You should have one foot in each space and try to bridge the gap. So maybe you could tell us a little bit, you know, from your perspective especially as you're, as, in your role as a Coast Guard liaison, you serve as this linkage between the DA, D, DIU and its mission uh, about trying to expand that commercial use technology and the Coast Guard. And so maybe you could share some examples of of how this interaction has worked and how the Coast Guard and industry maybe can work together and DIU to leverage this uh, DIU process.
3: No, excellent question and yeah, I- you know, one of the uh, major successes that has come out of the Coast Guard and DIU's, um, you know, collaborative uh, relationship is SailDrone, which is, uh, you know, an autonomous, um, uncrewed uh, surface vessel. So, you know, from the Coast Guard's perspective, they needed a persistent ISR platform uh, that was able to stay out at sea for months, um, you know, days to months at a time uh, to be able to, you know, provide those eyes on the water, um, that situational awareness that we are unable to do, you know, with traditional crude vessels, just because of, you know, the limited resources and uh, everything that, you know, all the services are trying to face or are facing right now with recruitment and, uh, yeah, recruitment and retention problems. So we looked at You know, again, DIU approaches things not through a set of requirements. They want to understand what the mission partner's uh, problem is and capture that and then go to commercial industry with, hey, this is the problem we're trying to solve with minimal to any bounds on what that uh, solution set may be. So, you know, when we, when DIU and Coast Guard went to the market and said, hey, we would like a persistent ISR or... Um, you know, persistent maritime domain awareness platform. Um, we left it open to, does that mean an aerial asset, a surface asset, a subsea asset? Um, and, you know, what came back from uh, commercial industry was a broad uh, spectrum of how they thought would be best uh, or what platforms or, you know, solutions would best solve that need. And, in the end, we came up, uh, decided that sail drone was the best platform um, for multiple different reasons uh, to solve that need. And so, the Coast Guard and DIU prototyped um, their sail drones, um, some of the smaller ones initially uh, as proof of concept, and then, you know, we kind of validated that the the prototype was you know beneficial and solved that problem set or uh, you know filled that need capability need that the Coast Guard had. And now Saildrone is, you know, a, a very successful. I wouldn't call them a startup anymore, uh, but um, you know, smaller, um, you know, contractor in the whole scheme of things. As they've you know grown and further refined uh, their sail drones, and now they have three different models. Uh, but I think that's the probably the biggest success story of a collaboration between the Coast Guard and DIU and how the Coast Guard came to DIU with a a defined problem set and without any preconceived notion of what the solution was going to be, uh, they went to the market and allowed the market and the innovators in the uh, commercial industry to help decide what the best way to solve that uh, might be. Uh, Another collaboration between the Coast Guard and DIU uh, has been our wireless crew headsets which uh, the Coast Guard was actually able to leverage some work that the army had done um, for their, uh, you know, armored uh, vehicles. And, you know, that's one of those things that Coast Guard is a smaller organization, and we have limited research and development dollars. But, you know, some of the other DOD services are, you know, extremely large, and they're able to invest and build these companies from the ground up. So, when the uh, Coast Guard found out about this army program uh, for the, uh, the wireless crew headsets for inside their, uh, like I said, armored vehicles, uh, it only made sense to be able to leverage those research and technology dollars that had already been spent and the development process that had already occurred to then solve the Coast Guard's need of having you know, wireless crew and communications headsets on our smaller search and rescue boats uh, that operate you know, throughout the uh, coastal United States. So again, that's something that through the DIU Coast Guard relationship, we were able to leverage that and move forward. And we're actually being able to move forward with that. And you know, the Coast Guard was able to invest a small amount of funds in that project. And now we're even making it so those wireless crew headsets are You know, secure uh, communication enabled. Which that technology is now going to go back to the other DoD services once we get that um, certification from NSA for you know Army, Navy, uh, Air Force, other services uh, to then leverage the Coast Guard's uh, R and D dollars. So again, it is a very symbiotic relationship uh, between Coast Guard and DIU and you know, it allows Coast Guard to leverage the research and development dollars that the other DOD services have, and um, which is a, is a great thing. And, you know, that's why I love my role as the liaison at DIU, because I do have visibility into some of these other DOD services uh, programs, uh, whether that's inside DIU or kind of the broader uh, military innovation system.
1: Yeah, we always love to hear, you know, those real world examples about how, how this has played out. And I think our listeners do as well to see, you know, just how this really works. So one thing that is discussed quite often is, you know, we need to be looking outside to industry, have partnerships to make, you know, people, one, aware that this is even uh, an opportunity for them. And then so that we can leverage technology You know, from a uh, different regions besides just maybe some of the more traditional regions that we've been getting this technology from, and that can be for a number of different reasons because you know government is centralized there and people know about that. So, what role is DIU playing in growing these partnerships between industry and defense?
3: So, I'm from what we call core DIU, which is the six different product portfolios. Um, that you know kind of align with the national security um, framework and how we're going to operationalize the technology that exists in the market. But DIU also has two other uh, you know arms, which are the National Security Innovation Network, which really builds those initial relationships with um, you know, the universities and labs that are doing the, the research. Um, so those ground level relationships, And then they also have the National Security Innovation Capital, uh, which is another uh, piece of DIU, which is focused on investing in hardware companies, because the government and DIU specifically understands that the return on investment for hardware companies is drastically different than a software company. And we understand that there are certain uh, strategic hardware uh, needs that the military has that Unless the military or DIU and specifically the National Security National Security Innovation Capital is willing to invest in those projects and in those startup companies um, that they may not, um, you know, be able to grow and get into uh, where they're able to um, compete for a government contract. But really, it's, you know, it goes across the board. Like I said, uh, the National Security Innovation Network does amazing things. They have um, tons of different programs out there and ways that they can link up startup companies and uh, research efforts with different government entities that are looking for research in those areas. And again, that's not necessarily uh, DIU funding it, but the National Security Innovation Network really links up those different, um, you know, the commercial communities. Uh, that are doing the research and development with the, um, you know, the government entities that are looking for those, uh, you know, very unique and innovative technologies.
2: Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, there's a lot of components to the tech ecosystem in general, you know, uh, across the board here, uh, you know, from the research and academic institutions creating new innovations that powers a lot of things. And of course you have the startups and the, uh, small businesses that are trying to take advantage of these new opportunities, pushing the boundaries, as they always do, taking the risks, sometimes succeeding, many times not. Then, of course, you have sort of the the more established companies who have been providing solutions, but maybe haven't really been providing a lot of solutions, uh, perhaps in the government space. you have your traditional folks who've been providing government solutions, products and services and hardware of all sorts. So, and of course, you have the academic institutions and nonprofit. There's so many pieces here. And I think all getting all of them aligned in different ways uh, is, is useful and helpful. And it's interesting to kind of figure out which each one of them kind of play a piece here and how they're most uh, leveraged. And I think sort of, um, you know, part of that, the biggest thing that's taking so much attention right now, of course, is AI. <laughs> Can't get away from it. It's everywhere. Uh, and machine learning in general. And just in general, so so, how are you seeing, especially as we hear about all these different components of the infrastructure, from the research to the startups to the to the these growing companies that are putting more of their effort behind AI in particular? How do you see that perhaps um, being leveraged for what you're doing, especially perhaps from the Coast Guard's perspective in the maritime space, or just in general, kind of how you see it impacting uh, what DIU is is trying to accomplish?
3: And there are a few specific instances where the Coast Guard and DIU together have been able to leverage AI um, to you know, better accomplish the mission. So I already kind of mentioned Sail Drone, and that's an autonomous um, you know sailing vessel. So you know there's an element of AI in there from uh, you know detect and avoid you know contact avoidance on the water. Uh, but I think a better example is something that. Um, internally at DIU, we call XView3, but really, what that is, it's a dark vessel detection um, using uh, imagery that's collected from synthetic aperture radar satellites. Um, that then all those imagery from across the entire globe, so you know, a single or a team of human analysts would not be able to analyze, you know, the imagery coming off the satellites, you know, twenty-four-seven. So they're able to leverage AI and, you know, specific algorithms that are able to evaluate the the imagery coming off the satellites and detect vessels that are otherwise, you know, not broadcasting their position, whether that's through AIS, um, you know, whether they've registered a a float plan or if they're, you know, fishing in uh, areas that they're not supposed to. So XU3 has definitely been an excellent uh, example where the Coast Guard has been able to leverage and work with DIU on building, you know, an AI enabled uh, algorithm and dark vessel detection system, um, which then that information is, excuse me, fed back to the Coast Guard and we are able to drive operations through, you know, the use of this technology and this uh, AI enabled algorithm. So it, it is exciting and, you know, it's it's an excellent use of how AI can be used, um, you know, to drive operations.
1: Yeah, that is great. And I think, you know, everybody is talking about AI these days. They're looking to see how this can be applied for their agency, their specific role. You know, people, it, it, people are talking about it a lot, which is absolutely wonderful. And it is a technology, right, that, you know, can be used to help. So how are you, you know, looking at AI and what opportunities do you see in the years ahead that AI and ML can play for both the DoD and the Coast Guard?
3: So I think from a very broad perspective, one of the ways that the Coast Guard specifically and DoD um, generically can move forward with AI is understanding that this technology is a way to buy down the risk and whether that's, you know, th- the risk of putting uh, your people in harm's way um, or, you know, other potential risk, but then also increasing the operational efficiency and decreasing cost. So you have to kind of couch it in, OK, what mission areas are we able to deploy this you know, AI technology um, that kind of checks all three of those boxes? But then you also have to, you know, as an overarching um, construct, you know, applying that or ensuring that you're applying this technology in an ethical manner. And I think we always have to keep that idea um, prior to deploying these AI technologies, you know, in the back of our head or, you know, have that thought process at the beginning of the, the development process. When we are, you know, looking at okay, what mission areas would we want AI um, to be involved in, and you know, where can we leverage AI to, you know, buy down that risk while increasing operational efficiency and you know, reducing cost? Yeah, that's
2: very important. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what all this is about. I mean, we all have a mission. We have to accomplish that mission within the context of the resources we have. You know, and the time—that's all the resources, financial, people, time. Right? We can all see what's happening. You know, in the, in the world around us. You know, all these these new challenges, and um, you know, just being able to respond to those challenges is is in and of itself a, a challenge, right? So, uh, I, I think that's what a lot of this is all about: is increasing the the not only the the speed to to response, the quality of the response, the effectiveness, the efficiency, not being bogged down by um, our own people and processes and legacy technology. This is all, this is the stuff that we really love to hear. Because when it's funny, when we talk to different agencies, maybe defense, but it may also be, we just had a conversation with the Office of Personnel Management in the U.S., Largest employer, federal employer, they have many of the same problems. Uh, and somebody from Department of Energy or someone from Department of Commerce or Interior or even state governments, uh, local governments. They're all facing a lot of these same challenges of having to deal with these constantly responding uh, threats and challenges from all places with new technology, limited staff, limited resources. So I, I think this is kind of an interesting opportunity, I think, for many of our listeners who might be emerging technology vendors themselves and folks in industry and they may be thinking oh maybe I have a solution maybe I have something that you know could fit a problem here or maybe they're they're still trying to find that product market fit and they that there might be an opportunity here but you know every you know while the government can do better we talked about that in terms of you know making procurement easier making the interaction uh, better and smoother what can the industry do better in terms of developing those relationships with the government for defense tech, for national security, for any of the innovations that we talk about to allow us to deliver mission at speed with the quality and efficiency that we
3: need? So I think one of the things that you talked about earlier, and I hope DIU is able to address, is being open to doing business with the government. Now, DIU does have some uh, unique uh, authorities that has been granted to it. So one of them is the Other Transaction Authority, and that's basically simplified contracts. We call them agreements, but they're you know simplified contracts between the government and the commercial vendor. And those are a 10th of the you know complexity of a traditional FAR-based contract. So be open to uh, these non-traditional acquisition um, methods. But then additionally, uh, DIU does what we call the commercial solutions opening, and that's an accelerated, um, you know, competitive selection process, and be aware of you know what's out there, and be open to doing these non-traditional things. So I think that's one thing of not being afraid of doing business with the government. Uh, but then also, you know, watching what's uh, you know what news is coming out of the Pentagon and out of Washington D.C. Because one of the things that DIU is specifically looking for right now as we evaluate commercial solutions. Um, is the ability to scale uh, especially with any of the autonomous systems that we're you know trying to look at and figure out okay does that meet our mission partners needs one of the uh, important facets that we're you know evaluating the projects on are is do they have a plan to scale and increase production uh, because i'm not going to say it's very easy for a small uh, startup to you know hand build whatever their vehicle or system is uh, but you know, right now we are looking for thousands of, you know, low cost autonomous systems. And so the more that we have a better understanding of how this, you know, startup company or smaller non-traditional defense company is going to be able to get to that production scale is, you know, is greatly beneficial. So think through some of those things. Um, We're very glad that um, to receive any type of submission to our, um, you know, any type of commercial solution to our solicitations that we put out on our website, but you know, think through you know kind of the next steps um, as you're building through or you know developing your technology. But I also want to you know include that the government also needs to be clear with commercial industry on you know what we want and what we're looking for um, out of commercial industry because that is one of DIU's goals is to be a good you know partner with our commercial uh you know vendors and yes we represent the government but we sit at that intersection of the government mission partner and the commercial vendor and we want it to be a win-win um for both sides because again one of our um you know three parts of the mission is strengthening the national security innovation base and if we're not a good partner to our commercial um partner then They're not going to be interested in future um, follow-on work from the government, regardless of how potentially financially lucrative it is um, if the regulations are too onerous.
1: Yeah, and this has been such a wonderful discussion. You know, some some of our listeners may not be familiar with DIU and maybe some of the opportunities out there. So uh, it's always great to have these discussions and continue to bring, you know, these opportunities to everybody. We like to wrap up our podcasts by asking everyone the same question, because our guests are able to bring their own unique backgrounds and experiences to answering this. What do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government?
3: Oh, big question. Um, you know what? I think we're starting to see it in industry and we see the groundswell, but I think we need senior government leaders, both in and outside the, the military, um, who are willing to lean forward and you know, understand the technical um, kind of revolution and innovations that are occurring within you know, autonomy and AIML, and lean forward and look for those technologies to solve the country's strategic problems and not be content with solving your know, niche Kind of one-off, uh, you know, problems that the government may have, but really being, you know, willing to lean forward, uh, but then also understanding that as we lean forward, we may make mistakes. Like you said before, um, there are a lot of startups, and you know, we may make a mistake. But at the same time, if we're doing our best to move the country forward, especially you know as we approach the larger strategic issues. Um, I think we have to be willing to accept, um, you know, some risk as we move forward because doing nothing, doing nothing, or the status quo is a more considerable risk than you know moving forward and being too aggressive. Yeah, for sure.
2: I think anybody who's really followed sort of just the history of technology innovation may understand the critical role that the government has always played. I think people, I, for whatever reason, I think maybe the hoopla and the uh, excitement of startupism, as I like to call it, of entrepreneurship, really got everybody's attention. They thought, oh, well, this is clearly the way that technology has grown. But actually, it's not true. The very first computer came out of the uh, Army Research Lab, which built the ENIAC, the first world's programmable computer, came out of the needs of military. Of course, you might say that's a true general purpose application. We built a multi-use thing. We built the computer. And you may say, well, it didn't stop there. We had the internet. The internet came out of DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency itself, a big innovation. And so much else, the development of GPS that we use for our navigation. And when we were at the Stanford event, people say, you guys forget that the whole core of Silicon Valley started with government innovation and research, that built the labs that were here, that that were the computers that we used in our rockets that required miniaturization, that drove the development of microcomputers. So I, th- I think the whole idea with all this sort of stuff, even AI and machine learning itself, going way back to the 1950s and 60s, the origins of AI started with uh, military and defense applications First. Before we figured out that we can use AI for search engines and product recommendations, right? So I think the reason why this rings such a strong bell with us, I think people don't realize sort of the core. A lot of the core of innovation is always aligned with the needs of government and defense. You know, wh- whether the application is about offense or defense or cyber defense or or aspects of, you know, public health or aspects of any of the other things that governments do. We are such a big fan of this. And I think that's why we love this podcast. We love hearing from folks like yourselves that are showing us the outcomes of what is possible when folks who are driving innovation drive towards the bigger mission than perhaps maybe the short-term rewards uh, that I think maybe maybe the last couple of decades, I think, startups uh may have lost a little track of the the bigger picture as it will. So we are motivating, encouraging folks to engage. And I think on that note, I really wanted to thank you so much, uh Josh, for being here, uh being uh, on our on the Gov Future podcast, sharing your insights and all the great things that you're up to at the Coast
3: Guard and DIU and all the things in between. Well, it was my pleasure to speak with you all today. And if anybody has any questions about DIU, I'd encourage you to go to diu.mil and there's uh, multiple resources on the website uh, where you can learn how to work with DIU, uh, You know what's the competitive selection process, how do you apply for the different solicitations. So uh, please encourage any of the innovators out there that are looking to solve the you know, national security problems of tomorrow um, to go to diu.mil and check us out. Thank you.
1: Wonderful. And I will make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. So people can just click on that link. And listeners, as I had mentioned earlier, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you get notified of all of our upcoming episodes. And also rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you haven't done so already, become a Gov Future member to take advantage of all that the community has to offer including access to a diverse network of government innovators, opportunities to collaborate with government agencies, exclusive access to events, resources, and a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. You can learn more and sign up by going to govfuture.com slash join, and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. We also have additional resources geared just for you, our GovFuture listeners. Go to govfuture.com slash resources to check out all of our different resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, and more.
0: To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators. Go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin MacLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.